I'm glad for eternal, everlasting life in Jesus Christ tonight. Are you happy tonight? Anybody, anybody happy tonight? Amen. Can you take a little bit of, of the Word of God this evening? How about that? Would that be all right? We'll share a, a few things with you. I don't know how far we'll get, but we are in Philippians is where we're at on Wednesday night. We are in Philippians, and we're in the second chapter, and um, the last Wednesday night that we were here was two weeks ago, so we didn't have Wednesday night service last Wednesday, and um, <clears throat> we, we dealt with um, verses 6 through 11, I believe, and um, talked about the name of Jesus, how that... Jesus, about His coming to this earth, the incarnation, His humanity, His humility, uh, the humility of Christ and how He humbled Himself to leave uh, glory in heaven, to leave the throne in glory, to be born as a babe, to become a man. What a, what a humbling thing that he, uh, the scripture says that he thought it not robbery to be, equal to, to be equal to God or he counted it not something to be grasped or to be held on to. In other words, he was willing to give, to let that go. Not his deity, but his place in heaven to come to this earth. My goodness, we're on earth and we're trying to get to heaven. He was in heaven and he came to this earth to be, to be born and to live as a human being, as a man. 100% God, 100% man. The, the only truth, somebody said he's a, he was a 200% man. He was the God-man. And to come and to suffer and to die... On that cross, the Bible said that he became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. The only way that we could be redeemed was through that death of Jesus on the cross, his death, burial, and resurrection. And um, because he humbled himself, because he, came obe because he, he became obedient to death, that death of the cross, verse 9 said, and this is what we talked about a week before last, wherefore God has highly exalted him, given him a name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every, every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Isn't that awesome? There's no other name like the name of Jesus. And through December, we talked about um, the promise, you know, of the coming, the first advent of the Lord, the promise that God had made in the garden, how God fulfilled that in Christ. We talked about the powerful greatness of His name, the wonder of His name. And I tell you what, you can't say enough or preach enough or talk enough about Jesus and the name of Jesus. No other name like that name. No other name as great as the name of Jesus. So we dealt with that. So tonight, we're going to pick up in verse number 12 
And I'm going to read verses 12 through 16 tonight. And I don't know if we'll get that far or not. Um, I don't, you know, I don't know. It's, it's 726, so we'll see what happens. All right. <laughs> All right. So um, chapter number 2 of Philippians, verse number 12. Wherefore, because of what I just talked to you about, what Paul had just talked about, the humility of Christ, him humbling himself, him dying on the cross, being raised from the dead, highly exalted, seated again at, 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 on his throne in heaven, above every, his name above every name. Wherefore, because of all that, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, I, I love that as I was studying this, this uh, passage this week. Um, he said, when he said that about them, he said, you, <clears throat> you have always obeyed. Wouldn't it be great if we could be able to say that about our own selves and about everyone, every other Christian you know, amen? And here Paul uh, you know, the pastor of these people, the Apostle Paul, had been talking about the obedience of Christ, how he became obedient to death. And he said to this church, he called them beloved. And, you know, we've already talked about how much Paul loved this church. And he said, you have always obeyed. Isn't that awesome? Praise God. I wish I, wished I, could, I wished I could say that about me. I've always obeyed, but I won't do that because my wife's sitting here. <laughs> Amen. But he said, you, he said you, you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only. Or in other words, not just when I was around. You know, there's a lot of people that will be good when the preacher's around. But he said, not just in my presence only, but now much more in my absence. He said, you've been obedient. You've been obedient. But notice then he says, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Here's a verse that we've quoted a lot. People have quoted. I've known, uh, quoted this verse and heard it quoted for, for um, ever since I've been in church and been a Christian. Work out your own salvation. We're going to talk about this a little bit tonight. With fear and trembling. Verse 13, for it is God. Though, you know, those first four words there just have gripped my, just, they've gripped me. For it is God. You know, it's all about God. Everything's about Him. Uh, our victory, our life, everything. And we're going to see that. For it is God. It's not Pastor Rick, it's not you, it's not anybody else, it's not any other preacher, it's not anything you can do. It is God which works where? Come on, help me. For it is God which worketh where? In you, both to will and to do of His good pleasure. Notice that. He's working in you to will, to give you the desire, and to do, to give you the empowerment to do His will. I love that. Do all things. Now, maybe we won't get to verse 14 tonight. Amen. <laughs> but but, but get, take, a good, take a good hard look at verse 14 and let this verse convict you as it has me. Do all things. How many things? Do all things without what? Without murmurings 
and disputings, do all things without murmurings and disputings, that you may be blameless and harmless, the sons of God or the children of God, without rebuke, without rebuke, in the midst of a crooked, now he's going to talk about the United States, a crooked and perverse nation. Amen. <laughs> or maybe he's just talking about Washington, D.C. there. I don't know. But uh, that you may be blameless. I'm sorry, I couldn't help it. That you may be blameless and harmless, the sons of God, without rebuke, in the midst, right in the middle. This is the way we're supposed to be as Christians, right in the middle of a nation that is crooked and perverse, among whom you, the believer, the child of God, shine as lights in the world. How do we do that? Holding forth the word of life, that I may rejoice in the day of Christ, that I have not run in vain, neither labored in vain. Oh man, there's just so much there to, uh, to talk about and to deal with tonight, but uh, what I want to talk to you about this evening, and I, I don't, like I said, I don't know how I'll get very far, but the ins and outs, the ins and outs of living for Jesus Christ, the ins and outs of living for Jesus, the Christian life. When we talk about being saved, we talk about the Christian life. It's not as much a series of ups and downs as it is a process of ins and outs. Now, it, it, we do have our ups and downs, don't get me wrong. But the, 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 the fact of living for Jesus and living for the Lord is, is a process. How many know that? It, we're, we're in a process. None of us are perfected yet uh, as far as, you know, we're, we're not any, any of us perfect. The only one that, that was perfect was the Lord Jesus Christ. But living for the Lord is that process of ins and outs. And it's God who's working in us. And we are working out what God has worked in us and is at work working in us. Does that make any sense to anybody? Amen. How many know, where does the Holy Spirit live? He lives in, in you. Where does, you know, in the presence, in the presence of the Holy Spirit, Jesus Christ is in you. It's Christ in us, the hope of glory. That's the awesome thing about the new covenant is that, is that Jesus Christ lives in us. The Holy Spirit abides within us. In your, in your reborn, born-again spirit man, Jesus Christ lives in you. Amen. And so it's, a, it's an inside job, amen, that he's doing in your life tonight. And he's working in you. And uh, as God works in you, then we have to work out what's on the inside. We used to sing a song um, around here some years ago, uh, said that Jesus on the inside, working on the outside, bringing about a change in my life. And that's what makes the change in our life is Christ in us and Jesus working in us. And so Paul here 
He has just presented to us in this uh, second chapter of Philippians the great example of the Lord Jesus Christ in his submission to God, in his obedience, in his humility, and how, how, um, how he had submitted and obeyed God in coming, in coming to the earth to die for humanity. And so when we see that example of the Lord and we know that he is our example, the thought that, that comes to us is, and we hear it preached, you know, well, Jesus was our example. We've got to follow after Jesus. We've got to be like Jesus. How many believes that's what we need to be? But how could we ever copy his example in our own lives? How can, can I ever be like Jesus? And, and how, can a, how can a mortal human being, fallen humanity, ever achieve what Jesus did or ever live as Jesus lived. And the Bible says in 1 John 4, 17, that as he is, so are we in this present world. So in this world, we are to be as Jesus. That's the world, you know, the world, the, the world gave the believers in the New Testament the name Christian, didn't they? It wasn't something that the church dreamed up the the world out there called them Christians or Christians in other words they were they were they were it was it was a term that they were using to demean them all oh, their little Christ they're they're imitating Christ but the name stuck didn't it and that's that's what a Christian is it means to be like Christ to be Christ like and so when we think of that how how can we be Christ like because the Bible says that's the way we're to be God wants us to be that way. So how can we be Christ-like in our, uh, in our own lives? And how in the world can we ever, can we live a straight and an upright and a godly life in, a, in the midst of a crooked, perverse ungodly world and that's where we're at today we are believers in Jesus Christ the church of the Lord Jesus Christ but we're right here in the midst of a crooked as Paul puts it here a crooked and perverse generation or a crooked and perverse nation so um, when you ask that question tonight, how can, a, how can fallen humanity, mortal individuals like you and I, ever achieve what Jesus did and live like him? And, and when you think about it, listen, I'm going to tell you, it is an impossibility for us to be able to say, I'm going to do that and do it. Now listen to me. Don't turn me off yet. And it even seems like a lot of times, and I know it has to many people, and I've heard people say this, that it seems like just a waste of time for me to try to live for the Lord. You know, there's a lot of people that get saved and they struggle with things in their life and they, 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 they have trouble and problems, get, you know, still dealing with, with things. And there was, there was things in my life when I got saved that, um, that left instantaneously, instantaneously. But then there were some other things that kind of hung on and I, and I had to deal with and the Lord had to deal with. And uh, that's the sanctification process, isn't 
Isn't that right? But, but so, so many people, I've, I've, I've heard people in the past say, well, what's the use? It's just a waste of time to even try. I can't live for the Lord. And there's people that are struggling with different, different bondages and different sins in their life. And they've been born again. They have the desire to live for God. But they just don't know how, it seems like, to overcome those particular sins. And so there's a, and a lot of people just drop out. A lot of people just quit. A lot of people just quit serving the Lord and go back and say, well, what's the use? I can't live for the Lord anyway. B.H. Clendenin, a great Pentecostal preacher, I've listened to many of his messages, have his books, his Bible study course. And, and, um, uh, but Brother Clendenin made the statement one time, and I've mentioned it here before. And he made this statement. He said, you know what? He said, it's not hard to live for God. It's actually impossible to live for God. And I thought about that, and I thought, well, what does he mean? But then he went on to explain, as we're going to do tonight, but in your own strength and your own ability and your own power, it is impossible to live for God and to to come up to the standard that God has given us in the Word of God. And that was proven in the Old Testament when he gave the law and the commandments And no matter how hard they tried under that old covenant, nobody could keep that law perfectly. Only one man did, and that was the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. And so it is impossible within your own strength and your own power and ability to live for God the way that the Bible tells us to. I bought some uh, golf. I used to play play golf occasionally. I hadn't played in quite a while, but... um, uh, I, I struggled with, with golf, you know. I, I struggled with it. I loved to play it, but I would go out and play and uh, never could just get it right, seemed like. I would get more frustrated than I would. You know, everybody said, oh, golf is such a relaxing game. And uh, you just go out there and just relax. Well, I got out there and threw golf clubs and, and you know, and got mad, didn't cuss, but I did get mad and got frustrated and everything else. And uh, I'd say, I'm never going back again. I ain't playing no more. And so anyway, I ordered some, uh, I ordered, some golf instructional videos and the title of these videos and I'm just saying that to give you this the title of the videos were, were and this is what got me, to, got me to buy them when I saw this online the videos were entitled Gol- Golf is not that hard unless you're doing it wrong. And I said, well, I must be doing it wrong because to me, this, it's, it's nearly impossible. And you know what? It's the same thing. And I thought about that the other day. It's the same thing with living for Jesus and living the Christian life. It's really not hard and it's not impossible unless we're doing it wrong and that seems to be the thing with a lot of people today is they're doing it wrong we you know we in the past we've gotten saved we get in church and then the preacher or pastor or we start hearing messages and people telling us well now you got to quit doing this and you got to quit doing that and you got to stop doing this and going here and going there and immediately we're we're face to face with a with a rule book and a bunch of rules to keep that we find out that we just have trouble keeping and then we get more frustrated than anything else and we you know what the problem is we're doing it 
wrong. Amen. But the Bible tells us how to live for the Lord Jesus Christ. And Paul lays it out right here in this passage in Philippians 2. And living like Jesus, living for Jesus is really, ladies and gentlemen, living a victorious, overcoming life is really not that difficult if we just learn how to do it the right way and the Bible way. Can I get an amen? Praise God. Amen. Hallelujah. Now, Paul gives us the divine pattern for a victorious life, but then he also shows us, not only gives us the divine pattern for a victorious life, but he also shows us the divine power that's available. Come on, now this is the key right here. The divine power that's available to accomplish what God has commanded us to do. And the secret to living that victorious life is not just by imitation or imitating Jesus, but the key and the secret to living the victorious life is by incarnation. And what do I mean by that? It, I mean by that Christ Jesus, the one who's already lived that perfect life, who has already died in my place to pay that sin debt and rose from the dead and now lives in me. That's what I'm talking about. It's not just imitating him, which Yes, he's our example, but we can only do that as he comes and lives that life in us and through us. That's the only way that you can live that overcoming victorious life. There's a pattern to follow, but thank God there's divine power that's made available for you and I to live an overcoming victorious life. Jesus said, I have come that you might have life and have what kind of life? The name of this church. Life more abundantly. Have life more abundantly. And you know abundant life is not and there's a lot of people, there's a lot of people that get saved and they get so frustrated with living for the Lord because their life is a life of sin and repent. Sin and repent. Sin and repent. Fail God. Promise God not going to do that anymore. Then what happens? They mess up. They do it again then they're repenting again and that that's not abundant life folks I'm glad we can repent I'm glad we can ask forgiveness I'm glad you know John said uh, in first John chapter 2 he said I write these things unto you little children that you do not sin that you sin not but thank God he didn't just stop there he said but if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. And he went on in, first, in the first chapter to say there, First John, that if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just, thank God, to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That passage was not written to sinners, um, to unsaved people to get saved. That passage was written to Christians who mess up and, and fail the Lord and need to get forgiveness. Can I get an amen? 
And so thank God we have an advocate. So abundant life that Jesus talked about that he came to give us is not a life of sin and repent, not a life of struggling along and, 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 and not being able to overcome. I mentioned it Sunday. God wants you and I to be victorious and he wants us to be overcomers, overcomers, to overcome the world, the flesh, and the devil. Come on, amen? And so that's, that's, that's what abundant life is, is being able to walk in that victory and overcome sin and not be under the, under the power and the bondage and the control of Satan anymore. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep preaching it. Well, it doesn't matter to me. I know it makes the devil mad, but people say, I don't, don't want to hear it anymore, but I'm going to keep preaching it. Praise God. When you get born again, Jesus frees you. He not only forgives you, but he frees you and liberates you from the very power of sin. He, 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 he puts uh, that sinful nature, that inclination to sin. The Holy Spirit comes in. You get a brand new nature, the life and the nature of God Almighty, the life and the nature of the Lord Jesus Christ. And there's a new desire in your heart to live a different, there's a change. That's what the new birth and being born again is all about. Amen, amen, amen. Well, praise God, I preach myself happy. I'm glad I came. We can go home now. <laughs> Woo, hallelujah. So the secret to this that Paul lays out here in Philippians 2 is not imitation, but it's incarnation. It is Christ living in me. This is where we have to get our, our mind renewed. You know, Paul said not to be in Romans, was it Romans 12? He said, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the what? Renewing of your mind. And so mind, getting our mind renewed is so important. It's like reprogramming a computer because for so many years, you know, before a person gets saved, uh, it's junk in, junk in, and when there's junk in, there's junk out, right? And so you get born again. You've got the life of, of Christ in you now. Well, your mind, you've got to start thinking. You've got to start thinking different. You've got to become, come on, are you with me? You've got to become what one fellow said, God inside minded. What does that mean? You've got to know and, and realize all the time that you got Jesus in you. Praise God. Yeah, he's with you. But glory to God, he's in you. You know, he said, I'm not going to get very far tonight. He said, Jesus told those disciples, he said, I'm going to go away and it's expedient for you it's profitable for you that I go away because if I don't go away the comforter the Holy Spirit will not come but I'm going to go away and send the Holy Spirit and he said you know him speaking of the Holy Spirit because he said he is with you the Holy Spirit was there with them <laughs> but he said but he shall be in you that's a whole different ball game right there, amen, that he's now in us. It's Christ in us. So, so in this second chapter of Philippians, look at verse number, number 13, 12 and 13. The latter portion of verse 12 says, says uh, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, 
Verse 13, for it is God which worketh in you both, both, both means two. He's doing two works here. Both to will and to do of his good pleasure. In other words, God's working in you to put the will to do right, the desire to do right in you. Amen. And, and when you get born again, you've got, to, you've got to give different desire. But not only the will to do it, but the power, enabling power to enable you to do it, to live the way you need to live. So God works in us. Are you with me? God works in us, and then we're working out in our life what God what Jesus is working in us. Oh, hallelujah. That's worth the price of admission tonight right there. Praise God. It's a matter, living that victorious, overcoming Christian life is a matter of depending upon Him to live His life in us and through us. And here's the thing that we need to understand in talking about having our mind renewed by the Word of God and getting our thinking straightened out, the way we need to think about things is what the Lord has done for us and given to us and what He's accomplished through His death on the cross. Now, Sunday we've talked, Sunday morning, Sunday night both, about that promised land and a little bit about what that land of Canaan in the Old Testament represented. And... uh, it represented the fullness of their blessing, the fullness of Israel's inheritance. And, it, and that's what it was to them, literally. But to us, it represents the fullness that we have in Jesus Christ. Everything that He has provided through His death, burial, and resurrection on Calvary. All of that that He's purchased for us. And, and, and you, you need to be reminded, all of us need to be reminded of this, that when Jesus died on that cross and rose from the dead, He, he, um, he bought back everything that Adam lost in the fall in the garden. Everything that was lost in the fall of man, Jesus Glory to God. Jesus bought it all back and and restored it all, brought it all back, bought it all back in his death, burial, and resurrection. We don't have it all right yet, right now. But, you know, the the glorified body is yet to come, that the redemption of the body. But it's all been bought and paid for. And everything, everything that Jesus accomplished in his death on the cross... He deposits that in your life when you get born again. And this is the way we got to begin to look at this and see this, that He's working in us and has made a deposit in our life. So what you need to overcome and to be victorious, to overcome sin, to overcome the world, the flesh, the devil, everything that you and I need for a victorious life, he's already put in us. It's there. We're looking for victory. We're, we're looking for victory out here somewhere. 
And the, the answer to victory in your life is right in here. It's right inside of you. Christ in you, the hope of glory, Paul said. Amen. He said it's God working in you to will and to do according to his good pleasure. So it's a major step, a major step toward victory when we quit looking for our victory, our deliverance to come from the outside to us and start recognizing that it's already in us and we ha God's put it in us and we got to work it out of us. Y'all looking at me funny tonight. You understand what I'm saying? That's what Paul is saying. We've got to get out. You've already got what you need to overcome tonight. Amen? It's, it's in you. He's in you. The victory's there. But you have to appropriate it and understand that and walk in it by faith. We've got to tap into what God has already provided us by His grace. Now, we'll, we'll, we'll touch on verse 12 tonight and then we'll let you go. I'm not going to be able to get all this done, but that's okay. We got next week, we're beginning, in, we're beginning a new year. And if the rapture takes place, we'll finish it in heaven. Amen. Praise God. <laughs> That'd be all right with me. Amen. I, I, I can't wait to get to preach in a glorified body. I don't know how that, I mean, you think I run around a little bit now. You just wait. Glory to God. But verse 12, he said, work out. Your own salvation, the latter part of verse 12, work out. Doesn't mean to go to the gym. Have a workout, amen. <laughs> but work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. And when he says to work out your own salvation, now that does not suggest in any way that you are working for your salvation there's nothing you can do to earn your salvation and Paul did not mean that here he doesn't teach that the Bible the New Testament does not teach that that we can earn our own salvation we cannot do that he's writing here to people not to people that are trying to get saved He's writing to a church and a group of people that are already saved and have already been born again when you go back to Philippians 1 and 1 that we covered some months ago. <laughs> um, Paul, it's a, Paul introduces this letter and gives the introduction, the salutation, and it says that he is writing here, he addresses it to all the saints in Christ Jesus which are at Philippi. So these people he's writing to are saints. They are they are born-again believers, so they're not trying to get saved. Jesus has done already, already saved them, and he's done a complete work for us at Calvary, but it is not yet a complete work in us. Did you get that? He's done a complete work for us at the cross. Everything we need has been provided. Everything we need he's given us, but it's not it's not been worked out in our lives yet. I don't think any of us can say, well, I've, you know, I never, I've, you know, I'm totally 
completely free from, from, from all sin and never do anything wrong, never make a mistake, never fail, nothing like that. None of us have gotten there yet, all right? But we're working toward that, praise God. One day, that trump's going to sound, that trumpet, and we're going we're gonna to be changed in the moment and in the twinkling of an eye. The corruptible's going to put on incorruption. Mortal's going to put on immortality. We're going to be changed into his very completely like Jesus with a glorified body and there'll be no more sin nature there'll be no more there'll be no more chances of ever sinning or anything again well we're not there yet he is still working and we must work out what God's grace has worked into us now those two words there work out it's a Greek verb translated to work out and it carries the meaning here's what it means it means to work to a full completion, such as you would, uh, would talk about somebody working out a math problem, a problem in arithmetic. Give them a problem. You've got to work that out and get the answer. Work it out to completion, just like that student would do in a math class, to carry that, that, that equation out to its ultimate conclusion. In this these, this, this uh, phrase... Work out was also used in Bible days for working a mind and getting all out of that mind, everything out of that mind, all of the valuable ore that was in that mind, getting everything that was in there out. Are, are you seeing what I mean? And, and that, it was used like that. It was also used for, um, for working a field so that they would go into the field and there was a ripe harvest there and they would harvest that crop and they would bring that crop in from the field to get the greatest heart. They they were they were working it out. They were bringing everything that was already there. They were making it a reality in their life. And I, I like the one about the mine, though. They're going into that mine, whether it was a, 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 a lead mine or a silver mine or whatever, but that the deposit is there. Are you following me? It's all there, but it has to be worked out. It has to be brought to the surface. Glory to God. I hope that you can see this. And that's what we're talking about tonight. The deposit has been made in your life when you got born again and the Holy Spirit came to dwell within you. But it has to be, it has to be brought to the surface and brought out. Glory to God that, that we will shine. He goes on to say then, as lights in the midst of a, of a crooked, perverse nation that we... We live the kind of life that Jesus has called us to live. How many is with me? Amen? So Paul is telling them here to carry their salvation to the ultimate conclusion. To bring out everything that God has deposited in them. And to bring it to that ultimate conclusion which is Christ-likeness. Being like Jesus. Whew, glory to God. And I think all of us can see in our life, if we just sit here and think about it for a minute, stuff that's not like Jesus. Amen? It's the flesh. Huh? It's the flesh. The Spirit wars against the flesh. Paul said in Galatians, the flesh against the Spirit so that you 
so we cannot do the things that we want to or would. There's a, there's a warfare and there's battle going on between that inner man and this outer man, right? Praise God. Amen. It's kind of like one guy said one time, you know, um, it was, a, was a, I think it was an Indian. I guess you're not supposed to say that anymore. Call, talk about Indians anymore. But not politically correct, but I've never been real politically correct. But uh, the old Indian said, was trying to explain, was trying to explain. He'd gotten saved. He'd gotten born again. And he was trying to explain the warfare that was going on between the flesh and the spirit. And he didn't know exactly how to explain it. He was trying to tell it. He said, I got to, he said, and he got big uh, black dog in me. And me got big white dog in me. Black dog evil, white dog good. That was my Indian impersonation, Sister Vicky. <laughs> Amen. And uh, he said these, the black dog, white dog fight all the time. War, fight all the time. And um, the, the, the minister said, which one wins? And his response was, the one I feed the most. The one I feed the most. Because the one he feeds the most is the one that is the stronger. And that's the way it is in our walk with the Lord. You know, there's a, there's a sinful nature. There's this, the nature of the flesh, this fallen nature that wars against that new nature of the spirit. And, uh, you know, the spirit man, God's put in there to will and to do according to his good pleasure. We want to do right, want to do good. But then that, that old man wants to rise up and do stuff that's not right. Come on, amen. And uh, which one wins? Which one wins? Which one's going to overcome? I can tell you which one's going to overcome. The one you feed the most. If you're feeding that new man, if you're feeding that spirit man, what are you supposed to feed him? Praise God. Feed him the word of God. Spending time with the Lord and, 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 and filling your spirit and your heart with the word of God. If you'll feed that new man, he's going to rise up and gain the ascendancy. Praise the Lord. That new man in you, that spirit man, your born again spirit has been created, Paul said in Ephesians, has been created in righteousness and true holiness. So when you feed that inner man, that's what's going to come out. It's in there. It's just got to come out. What? Righteousness and holiness and purity of life. Hallelujah. Are you with me? Amen, amen, amen. So there's a divine enablement that, that wills, that wills to do right. He said that God's working in you to will. Man, when I got, I've told you, you know, and, and you can relate to this. When you got born again, Sister Reed's told me her story about getting saved. Everybody's got their story about getting saved. Some, somebody might say, well, we get tired of hearing yours. Well, uh, fine. I'm going to tell it anyway. <laughs> hey, every, every opportunity the Apostle Paul got in the book of Acts, he, he was standing before kings, and he'd tell them what happened to him on the Damascus Road, didn't he? How he got saved. But, you know, and I won't go into all of it, but when I got born again, when I got up, I went to that altar that morning and knelt down there and wept and cried and, and repented and I felt 
something, like, a, you know, I, I felt a load lift, a weight lift, and I got up from there, and I'm going to tell you something. There was a different desire in my life. The, the, I, was, I knew. I didn't have to guess. I knew I was not the same guy I was when I walked in there and in that church, and I had a new desire in my heart and in my life. The things that I, that I, that I one time wanted to do and desired to do, the partying and the drinking and the drugging and anything else, I didn't want that anymore. That, that was gone. I said that was gone. What was it? It was God working in me, coming in me to put a new will and a new desire in my heart. That's the new birth, ladies and gentlemen. When somebody comes to an altar and gets up and goes right back out and still wants to do the same things that they were doing, they did not get born again at that altar. They didn't get saved. That went over real good. I'll put that in my notes. Did not go over well. Amen. But there's... <laughs> oh, we got to have some fun. There's a divine enablement that wills, puts a new will in us, but also there's a divine enablement that God gives us to perform that will or to do it. Are you following? And that's what he's saying there in verse number, in verse number 12 and 13. There's, there's, there's an ability in us to perform to do that will, but there's also an effort on our part that we have to get involved we have to work out what he's worked in. Let me read verse 12, and we'll close with this. I think it's a good place to, to shut down this evening, but let me read verse 12 from the Amplified because it brings out here what we've talked about. It really brings it out where Paul said, to work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. In the Amplified translation says it this way. And what the Amplified does, it, it, it adds some of the meanings of those Greek words. So it does, that's what it does. It amplifies the text and gives some meanings of the Greek words. But here's the way it reads. Work out, cultivate, carry out to the goal, and fully complete your own salvation with reverence and awe and trembling, self-distrust, with serious caution, tenderness of conscience, watchfulness against temptation, timidly shrinking from whatever might offend God and discredit the name of Christ. Now, I could go through there and preach on every one of those. But, but that's what, he's, that's what these, uh, this passage is saying, that we're to cultivate and carry out to the goal and fully complete the salvation that's been deposited in us with fear and trembling. With fear and trembling. And I love the way it gives these, the meanings of this. With, with, a, with reverence and awe and trembling. A self-distrust. In other words, I'm not dependent on myself to do this because I know I can't. With a serious caution, knowing how important that it is. Here's the fear and trembling. The fear is not 
being afraid of God, but it's a fear of God. It's an awe of God. It's a reverence for God. For God. And if there's something that the church of the Lord Jesus Christ and Christians need today, it's, it's a fresh fear of the Lord in their life. A fear and a reverence of God that, that says, oh, I don't want to displease you, Lord. I, I don't. The fear of the Lord is what? Does the Bible say? It's the beginning of wisdom. Amen. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. So if you want wisdom, get the fear of the Lord. Amen. Because it says, the fear of the Lord says, I don't want to displease you. I don't want to fail you in any way. And it's, it's, it's a serious caution. A tenderness of conscience. There's something that we could use. Our conscience. People today, even within the body of Christ, many have, have their conscience has become seared as with a hot iron. The Bible says, says they have no conscience nothing bothers them anymore there needs to be more fear and trembling as we work out our salvation amen as we seek to please the Lord and allow him to work out of us what he's worked in us a, a tenderness of conscience a watchfulness against temptation timidly shrinking from whatever might offend God and discredit the name of Christ I want to be I, listen I want to be so removed from anything at all that would that would displease my heavenly father are you hearing me today that's how we need to be God is is this if this is wrong if this displeases you it may even be something legitimate and I know people you know sometimes say well is this a sin is that a sin listen if you feel like it offends your heavenly father or he's displeased with it don't do it get away from it be be, have that fear of the Lord in you that you don't want to do anything or listen to anything or watch anything or say anything or do anything that would displease your heavenly father amen work out that salvation that he's put in you with fear and trembling with a tender conscience hallelujah with a timidity and, and, and a watchfulness against all temptation knowing that the evil one is out there seeking to draw you back into this world but you're trusting the Lord you're believing the Lord you're trusting him to give you that power that ability that enablement to live a victorious overcoming life hallelujah and make it through this dark and crooked and evil nation and world and generation that we're living in give the Lord a good hand clap of praise Woo, hallelujah. Well, let's stand, let's stand.